I had a meeting, I was called to a meeting with our Premier, um, Anastasia Palaszczuk. And I was sitting in, in her uh, this suite, you know, in, in the uh, executive offices there in Brisbane, with a, bunch, a bunch of others. And uh, they wanted to talk about what, what, you know, government and church could do to help in the matter of domestic violence. And they wanted to hear what a number of, you know, of the, the leaders of denominations, whatever, had to say. Well, I find myself in this room, you know, with the Catholic, the Catholic Archbishop, Mark, um, uh, Mark Coleman, who's a great, great, great guy, the, the Archbishop of Brisbane. He really is a lo- lovely guy. Um, the, the Anglican Archbishop, what's his name? Uh, he's on the telly all the time. I can't think of his name, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, and all these other guys and me. And, and, and anyway, I decided to speak. Bad move. And, uh, and uh, they were talking about you know, what, what, how to stop domestic violence, right? Big problem. We all want to stop domestic violence. Well, I made the observation. I said, Is, what about some help? What about some programs for, for men, you know? Because I'm sure there are men who don't really want to bash their wives, <laughs> don't really want to, you know, commit domestic violence, but they're so stressed out, it's kind of like a lashing out, you know, in, 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 a, in a fit of desperation rather than, you know, dominance, rather than I, I want to beat my wife. It's I don't know what to do. And, you know, we, we live in a violent world and a violent society. And so they're just lashing out at the thing that's closest to them. And unfortunately, the thing that is closest to a whole bunch of guys who are, you know, really, really down perhaps on their luck. Maybe they can't pay their bills. Maybe they just lost their job. Maybe they're struggling with alcohol, substance abuse, on and on it goes. And so the striking of their wife isn't the issue. The issue is their capacity to deal with their life. Maybe we can help them deal with their life. Well, uh, the Premier looked at me politely, (laughs) but her two bodyguards... uh, these two, you know, whatever they were, they got into me and uh, let me know that my, my whole perspective was wrong, that, you know, it was just these horrible men that beat their wives and there was no excuse and it's not about trying to help the men. Anyway, so I got, I got yelled, yelled down. And, and, and my point was right at this point in time now, I'm struggling. The struggle is real, folks. The struggle is real. Because <laughs> I'm sure you've been there, right? It might have been at school. And, you know, maybe the teacher is, is going down a pathway of, I don't know, um, evolution or, or, uh, or, you know, this whole um, gender thing. And, and, and you have a conviction about something and you've rehearsed this in your head many times, many times. Uh, it's amazing the places you find yourself. I, I, another time that comes to mind, I was, um, uh, I had, I was summoned to appear... Uh, in the dock at the Royal Commission into children abuse. So it was a lot to do with abusing people, women and children. And, uh, and, and I'm, so I've been summoned this thing, and, and uh, there's been this situation that's happened, which is not my fault, but, you know, because you're a leader, you're responsible for stuff. And I remember being up at 4 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out everything council assisting was going to say, any question they could ask me, and how I would answer that, what my response would be. And then if they go this way, well, I go that way. And how do I do this? And how do I handle this? And, and, and so I'm awake at three and four in the morning before uh, the day which I was had to, you know, get summons up and swear to tell the whole truth and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, 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 and again, you get yourself into the situation. The lights are on. <laughs> um, 
you know, the, uh, uh, the, the judge is there, counsel assisting is there, and the questions are on. And they ask you a question and you kind of think, I can't remember my name right now. <laughs> what is my name again? <laughs> and you've got to be able to summons all these facts, you know, all these, all, all, all these things that have happened. And you've got to sort of make you sound like you know what you're talking about. What I, what I want to talk to you tonight about is how to maintain confidence. Because as we continue on down the pathway that we are headed as a, as a nation, as a people, like, I, listen to me clearly here, right? Satan can't take your calling. Your calling, the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. What that means is this. God has put a calling on your life. That calling is on your life. And you'll carry that calling with you till your death, Right? You cannot lose your calling. But what will happen is that you'll find yourself in the heat of the moment and you've rehearsed in your mind and you know what you would have going to say and you know how you're going to act and you know how you're going to handle the situation. But the lights are on, the people are there, the pressure is in the moment and in the, the height of that, you wilt, you stumble, you fall, you... You walk away. I think one of the greatest assets that, that a human has, and I don't care if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, one of the greatest assets you have is your confidence, right? Not arrogance, not cockiness, but a quiet confidence in who you are, in what God's called you to do, and in the ability he's placed within you to see it through to the end despite the circumstances and despite who stands in front of you and despite the moment that you find yourself in how do I maintain my confidence now you know it happens all the time you know you sort of uh, uh, you, you, you're going to be preaching I mean you know you're, and, and, and you know oh, this is me anyhow probably maybe not you and you know there's a little voice in your head that says oh but you've been thinking these thoughts and you go oh man you know you've been doing that and you know you're right and all of a sudden you start to get this you start to get this undermining of your confidence I'm not sure I can do this I'm not sure I should do this after all my life's not together why should I step up to the plate why should I take response how can I do it and, and you know do it honestly and do it with integrity when my life isn't what it should be and Satan will take your confidence every time if you let him because he's a catastrophizer you know what that means don't you he's a 16 year old girl uh oh, all respects to 16 year old girls but i've lived with three of them all right give me a break anyone who's lived with a have you ever heard this it's the worst day of my life <laughs> oh dear what's happened you know i've got a pimple and it's tomorrow's the dance you know life's over and you think oh yeah no, life's over yeah that's for sure and, and you know we love the catastrophe we love things what satan will do satan comes in let, let me just read this to you from i mean just to make that point so now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals this is genesis 3 1 uh, the lord had made and he said to the woman did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden well, actually, God never said that. <laughs> In fact, you can't find ever God ever saying that. But that's what Satan does. So he comes and he whispers in your ear, you know, this is the worst day of your... This couldn't get any worse. 
and, and you start to hear that kind of thing, right? And you start to think, yeah, that's it, boy. Life's, this is dreadful, you know. Like people say this kind of thing. People in church can say this, you know. Oh, society's getting bad, you know. It's really bad out there. Well, I could take you back a few hundred years when this country was nothing more than a prison for white people. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was pretty bad back then. Um, if I could put you in a time machine and take you back to ancient Rome, oh my goodness. You think that the moral you know, fiber of society is wilting away now. You ought to have lived back before Christ and tried to have got your mind around the way particularly women and children were treated by society that were very much chattels. They were very uh, much uh, um, things to be traded. They, they, they were not treated as individuals with respect. Um, don't think it's the worst it's ever been. Uh, don't, don't think no matter what your circumstance that, 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 that things are, you know, the things will overwhelm you. Satan is a catastrophizer. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, it says this, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't throw away your confidence. You all have confidence. But like that mobile phone in your pocket right now, you have a mobile phone, but you're not using it. Well, some of you are, and I appreciate you putting them away. But uh, you can text later. Check Facebook out later. But um, uh, you can have a, we, we have a confidence. We have a godly, a given, we have a godly given, a God-given confidence. There is a godly confidence about our lives. The question is, how do we walk in it? How do we summons it? How do we, how do we, we utilize it for those moments in life when we need it? Because most moments we don't need it. Most moments we can live as cowards. You know, most moments the confidence that comes through the Holy Spirit is not required. But there will be those moments in your life, as there is in mine, when we need to have a quiet confidence to be able to speak exactly as we see it. What I'm going to do, just to take a few moments tonight, I'm going to um, uh, reverse back up Hebrews 10, because as I read that, as he gets to this verse, don't throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded, rewarded to you. He actually tells you how to, not he actually gives you some insight into how to do this. So I'm going to take that reading and kind of uh, eat that out and, and, and try to land that in our hearts so we can all take it home with us. So that as a result of being here tonight, you'll know how to not throw away your confidence and therefore be richly rewarded. So if you're a person here tonight and you know what it is to struggle with that confidence, I'm going to tell you folks, the, the politically correct society that we are living in today is strategically focused to undermine the confidence particularly of those people who would call themselves Christians. Right now, there's a war in this nation against the Christian morality, the Christian ethic, and you need confidence more than you've ever needed it before. And, uh, and I, I, I know that there are people in this room right now and you struggle with confidence. I know there are people in this room who have got the calling of God on their life and you haven't been living up to the calling of God because you've thrown away your confidence. And uh, tonight... We hopefully we can remedy this situation and I don't care where you are I don't care what stage of life you're at I don't care what you know environment you find yourself in tomorrow you've got to walk in that godly confidence that boldness to be able to live out your Christian um, uh, morals and uh, and way of life 
So I'm going to just nip back up, as I said, read this out and, and see what we can find in Hebrews 10. I'm going to nip back up to verse 19. I read verse 35, but in verse 1 it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, there's our word, confidence to enter the most holy place, that's interesting, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, full of assurance, again full of confidence, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us with, uh, from a guilty conscience and having bodies washed with pure water. Okay, three things. First thing, they all start with C. Isn't that my, I'm so glad the author did that for us. They all start with C, and uh, that helps us remember it. The first one, of course, is a, um, a clear conscience. He said here that... Um, uh, cleanse us from a guilty conscience because how many know in this room that the thing that satan will try to undermine your confidence is with guilt just try to let you know where you failed where you haven't lived up why you're not good enough why you don't have it together as well as the person who sits in front of you here tonight or why you don't have it together as much as you know that youth leader or maybe that life group leader or, or maybe that parent or, or or that that relative and uh and there is a real sense of comparison whereby you don't come off good enough. And here's, I guess, the way this plays out that's really sad um, and really kind of counterproductive. Because what we tend to do is this. Oh, man, I've had such a shocking week this week. I've, I've messed up. I know I didn't. I, I said, I'm not going back to it. I'm not going back to it. And guess where I went this week? I went back to it, you know. I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And guess what? I, I did it. Uh, and now I feel so bad. I feel dirty. I, I feel condemned. I, I know God doesn't like me. I, I just feel a failure to God. And, you know, I know church is on the night, and, and I, you know, I, I, and I know they'll say, where were you if I don't go? I know I should go, but I don't really want to go because I know that I just can't live up to it. I've tried so hard. Here's the thing. This is the thing you've got to understand. When you feel like that, when you feel like you're not good enough, when you feel that you really do need forgiveness, you really do need mercy, you really do need grace. When you feel that you're not good enough, that is when you are potentially at your most powerful in all the days of your life. There's something about recognizing the, fra the, the, the frailty of, of, of my earth and, you know, of who I am, that I'm not good enough and that the context of my righteousness is not my behavior, but what was said in that, that scripture we read a minute ago, that through the spilt blood of Jesus Christ, the context of me being good enough is not within my strength to you know, perform. The context of my good enough is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, and if I can get that into my mind... And, and, and when I feel like I'm not good enough, and when I feel like, you know, I'm not smart enough, or that I'm not educated enough, or I don't have the experience, or I don't have the moral fiber, when I feel like that, that is when you are potentially at your most powerful, that is when you are potentially at your most usable. I spoke the other, other week about this, uh, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, you know, how good is good enough? And Jesus said, uh, you, you know, good is never good enough no matter how good i try to ask you to be it's never going to be good enough because the standard is perfection 
but you're obsessed with good he said you call me good teacher there's no one good but God and, and we're all a little bit obsessed with good we're all a little bit obsessed with performance Proverbs 21 28 1 says the wicked flee when no man pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion our righteousness is not in our own ability it's not in our own performance the righteous that can be as bold as a lion are those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ so if you're here tonight and you're sitting here thinking oh those goody two-shoe Christians you know or those people have got their lives together or I'm not good enough or I failed again hallelujah you make the grade <laughs> come and join us we are a bunch of people who recognize we ain't good enough we can't make the grade we can't measure up we can't perform but it's by his grace you are in <laughs> If that's how you feel, hallelujah, you're in the right place. Because that's what we're about. That's what this body of people are about. The recognition that we'll never be good enough. That it's by his mercy and through his grace that we have righteousness. See, here's the thing. Next time you mess up and you think, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't go to church and you come along, oh, well, maybe I'll go, you know what I mean? But I'll sit at the back because, you know, I don't be at the front because that's where all the glory is. So I'll go towards the back, you know, and, uh, and they'll sing and I won't lift my hands and I won't even lift my head. I'll be in the pocket and, you know, mutter a few words like this, you know. So I sort of checked in, you know. I get on Facebook and check in the Centro so they know I was there, you know. So no one rings me up or tries to bother me. But I've just, you know, I've, I've given myself a little spiritual holiday. You know, I've sort of timed out. You know, I'm in the naughty chair. I've put myself in the spiritual naughty chair. And uh, there I'll sit for a while until I, I feel I've done my time. You know, I've sentenced myself out of God's presence for at least three weeks after what I've done. At least. Maybe four. Maybe I've given myself a four-week suspension from the presence of God. And, uh, and the truth is, that's an absolute load of rubbish absolute nonsense when you feel like that that's the very time to come rushing into God's presence and recognize the spilt blood of the Lord Jesus Christ upon your life that's the moment folks this is this is why we can boldly come before the throne of grace uh, with confidence i love it hebrews 4 16 says let us uh then approach god's uh, god's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the most time of need let us come with confidence you know you go there what happens you know what i mean you sort of if you put yourself in the naughty chair for a few weeks because you've been naughty you know and then you sort of come back in but it's a bit kind of you know you know I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't really want to go to church. You know what I mean? I don't really want to worship. I don't really want to sing those songs. And, and, and you start to get this this attitude, and and this attitude sort of came from you know it, it, it's probably started in a relatively decent place where you knew you weren't doing the right thing, so you timed yourself out. But now you've timed yourself out. You started to develop a bit of a bit of a bad attitude. And we can, you know, you can kind of find in, uh, sometimes where this whole idea of draw into the throne of grace with confidence, come before the throne of grace with confidence, you sort of, you know, maybe you're a bit fearful of what God might do to you, you know. I've had, I've had people say to me, my neighbor actually said to me, and he's a, you know, he's a nice guy, he's a good man in some, some ways, but he said to me, oh, you know, if I ever went to your church, the roof would fall in. Now, you've probably heard that. It's all a bit of a joke. But, but the kind of thought behind it is that I'm not good enough. 
And, and what, we, what the world needs to understand is that none of us are good enough. And that's the reason the roof stays up. <laughs> I mean, the roof is not predicated on his goodness, my goodness, their goodness. It's his goodness. It's the grace of Jesus that keeps the roof in the air. <laughs> It's not because, how many know, it's not because Amy Turner is good or anybody else for that matter. It's because God is good. So number one, number one, we, we, we need to have a clean conscience. And the clean conscience is through the presence of God in our life. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can have a clean conscience in a moment. You can receive him. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a few minutes. In a moment, you can receive him. Number one, a clear conscience. Number two, let me just continue to read. It says, uh, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he, uh, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we might spur one another on towards, uh, towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. It seems like these Hebrews here were at a, a, a crisis of confidence. And Paul is saying, or we, we think he might have been, Paul, whoever the author was, is saying, hey, you know, remember your confidence isn't in what you've done. Your confidence is in him. But, but here's, here's another thing that's going to help you to confidence. Don't stop gathering with other people. We need a conscience, but we need a community. Right? We, we, we need a, you know, how, how many know this? How many know you have to follow Jesus for yourself? but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. <laughs> you have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. You see, sometimes past experience and insecurity and personal doubt and self-loathing create this incredible committee that just make you think the world is falling apart and everybody's against you and nobody loves you and why don't you just go and suck worms, you know? And, and, and Satan, you know, and his, his cohorts uh, are like a, a pack of wolves. You know what a pack of wolves will do? Before they take down their prey, they'll try to isolate that prey. And I'm not having a crack at anyone sitting at the back because this is not about sitting at the back of the church. But they'll look for those stragglers at the back. Those who aren't paying attention to the direction of the herd. Those who are just kind of off a little bit on their own. And they'll start to circle them around. And their whole strategy is to try to take the one from the center to the edge and then from the edge out to the outer place where they can get a circle around that, that prey, whatever it might happen to be. Because they know, the wolves know, that if we can isolate that animal, whatever animal it is that they're stalking, the deer or whatever, they know if they can isolate it from the pack, they've got a far better chance of taking it down and devouring it and destroying it. And you need to know that the wolves' strategy to take down a deer is exactly the same as the enemy's strategy to take down a man or a woman of faith. Try to get you to take an offense towards something or somebody. Try, try to get you to be misunderstood. Try, try to get you to be cranky or angry or, or uh, you know, feel uh, the sense of um, self, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, like you're, you're missing out and, and self-pity. And, uh, and then they'll start to, you know, sort of get around you and, and, and 
circle you around about and, and try to hear you justify yourself and your, your little, your little self-pity party over here on your own because no one talks to you or nobody likes you or you don't belong or you, you're not appreciated or whatever it might happen to be. And, and, and folks, some, we've got to fight that. That's real. That happens. If that hasn't happened to you yet, it will happen to you because it happens to everybody. You're not the only person who feels sorry for themselves. You're not the only person who feels rejected. You're not the only person who feels misunderstood. Everybody has to break through that. But what we have to do is we have to help people break through that. We have to drag people along with us, keep them accountable, try to keep them in the, the center of, of, of the herd. You know, uh, Elisha was, uh, was trying to teach a lesson to his protege, Gehazi. And one day he wakes up and, and, and he looks around and they're, they're surrounded by the enemy, you know. The wolves are all around us. We're doomed. They're going to devour us. And Elisha says, it's okay, buddy. Open your eyes. He prayed, God, open his eyes. He opened his eyes, took another look. And those that surrounded him to destroy him were surrounded by another lot that were going to destroy them. And that's what we need to do, folks. We need to be the cavalry. You need, if you're here tonight and you feel part of a group, then you're the cavalry. Because there's some poor person somewhere that's being isolated. Everybody, Satan's focus, his energy is to isolate. Isolate and discourage. Isolate and discourage. Isolate and discourage. You lose your confidence. And what our job is, is to include and then put courage in. Include and put courage. Include and encourage. Include and encourage. You might have a lack of confidence in your calling you might have tried a few things and, and, and they failed and, and you, you might get to a point where you kind of think to yourself oh, oh blow it I'm just going to go and do my own thing you know you know something I'm sick of people uh, I, I'm sick of being hurt you know I, I'm sick of being misunderstood I'm sick and tired of trying and being the only one who tries uh, I'm just going to go and look after myself and just going to go and you know do my own thing and and, and, uh, and, and you've lost your confidence, you've lost your boldness. Now, maybe you didn't characterize it in those terms. You characterize it in other terms, but you lost your sense of, you know, I'm a man, a woman, called of God, purposed of God, placed by God, and I've got something significant to do, and I'm going to do that job come hell or high water. So, we, as I said, the struggle is real. And I'm going to invite some people. I'm going to finish in just a couple of minutes, and I'm going to invite you tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to just take a moment because I think tonight we need to leave. There's some people in this room and we just need to leave some change here at the altar. We just need to go, you know something? I don't have to feel this way. I don't have to continue down this pathway. I've been called of God. I've been anointed of God. I've been cleansed of God. I'm a child of His. Shoulders back, head up. Come in before the throne of grace with confidence to find grace to help in time of need. I can proclaim and speak with boldness no matter what the caliber or the education of the person I'm speaking to because I'm placed where I'm placed by God. And I can walk in that confidence. So just, just one thought and then we're going to uh, invite the musicians, the musicians up and we'll, we'll take a moment to do that. But just the... The one last thought. The first thing is a conscience, a clear conscience. You get through the shed blood of Jesus. The second thing is strong community. Right? That's our job. That's, that's what we've got to do. We've got to encourage each other on and spur one another on and do what we can to look out for others, look over our, our own self 
And uh, the last thing that, that um, I want to just point to is found in verse 32. It says, remember those early days after received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. And the thing I want to point to here is consistency. You endure. You're consistent. Week in, week out, week in, week out, month in, year in, you're consistent. You're just there. Um, Everyone in the room probably knows Serena Williams. And uh, I saw Serena Williams get interviewed the other day. I thought, that's, that was, she's just nailed it, the lovely Serena. Because, you know, she, uh, I think she's won more Grand Slam than any woman ever in tennis. You know, and the interviewer says to her, oh, Serena, you know, when, when it's match point, you know, in the US Open and the world, there's like, you know, 200 million people looking at you and you're about to break, you know, the greatest record of all time and the pressure's on. How do you cope with the pressure? You know, how do you keep your confidence? And you know how, oh, she speaks so quietly, you know, so humbly. She says, oh, well, I played a lot of tennis. <laughs> I thought, that's right. She has. <laughs> and, you know, you see a person and they've got this peace. And, and there's confidence. Think, what's the secret? You know, oh, well, <laughs> I've forgiven a lot of people. <laughs> you know? you're, you're able to walk and, and endure and break through. And you, what's the key? Oh, I've prayed a lot of prayers. <laughs> you know? I've read a lot of Bible. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been a lot of church. There is, there is a power associated with consistency. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. I mean, my mate Sam down here, right? He, 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 Sam doesn't go into the gym and bench press 100 kilos the first time he walks in, right? That's after some consistency, mate, isn't it? After some consistency, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you rock the gym for the first time. You might put, you know, 10 or 15 kilos on either end plus the bar, you know what I mean? So I don't know what you got there, maybe 40 kilos or something like this. You know, you might push that out a couple of times. And, Phew, that was heavy, man. How did you? But, but you know, after some time, blokes like Sunday rock up to the gym, put a couple of 20 kilos on both sides, you know, plus the bar weight. Maybe it's 120 kilos. Just rip that thing out there and up and down it goes, up and down it goes. Man, how do you do that? Well, I've lifted a lot of weights, you know. <laughs> there's a power that comes with consistency you just keep turning up and turning up and every time you do there is a power that you didn't have before but that you've got next time you know, how do you how do you preach like that i've preached a lot of sermons you know <laughs> you know whatever you've done a lot of times you get you know confident boulders with it and, 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 and the author is saying to these people, you've endured, you've been consistent, you've hung in there, you didn't stop, you didn't let discouragement drag you down. Year in, year out, you're still standing. You've prayed a lot of prayers. <laughs> and and I, I just want to encourage you tonight. A clear conscience this through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. A strong community that comes by recognizing I've got to follow Jesus for myself, but I can't follow him by myself. I need you, and I need you, and I need you. And I just keep turning up. I just keep turning up the small group, Peter. You know, when it's just Peter and me, we just turn up, we pray for each other, you know? We just keep turning up. 
week in, week out. We just turn up. You know, we just keep turning up at church. Sometimes there's a lot of people, sometimes not so many people. We just turn up. We just keep preaching. Week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. I won't go century because that's just a bit silly. <laughs> but there's a power that comes. One of the musicians to come onto the platform, if you will, please. There's a power that comes uh, with consistency. Don't throw away your confidence, he goes on to say. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You know, we all have to persevere. And I, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that some of the things that, that, that are going to happen in this next season, some of the things that our society is going to bring, to bear on you if you're a believer here tonight um, if you don't have that Holy Ghost boldness then you're going to wilt I think the Christian church needs confidence, needs its boldness and its confidence now more than ever uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with my mate Lyle uh, Shelton, he's the head of Australian Christian Lobby in Canberra, his offices were firebombed not that long ago he gets death threats on a daily basis. They want him to shut up. I listened to an interview that he did on the ABC in Melbourne last week. And the callers that phoned in were absolutely rude, absolutely ripped into him. They said to the ABC, the guy, you know, the, the guy who was doing the interview, they said, if you continue to have imbeciles on like Lyle Shelton, Lyle Shelton is not an imbecile. If you continue to have imbeciles on like Lyle Shelton, we will not listen to your radio program anymore. He is just a, an idiot. And they were, I mean, they were just into this bloke. And we need to, we need to be praying for him, particularly right at the moment, uh, as all this stuff heats up. Uh, because he's on, you know, he's on the, the front line. He's saying things I would never say. Uh, God bless him. <laughs> and he's copping abuse that, oh man, you know. Um, uh, but the, the point is, I mean, I appreciate Lyle Shelton. He's out there. He's put himself out there and he's doing a job for us. He's doing a job for us. And we've got to appreciate that there are some people who will do a job for us and we won't all be called to put ourselves in that situation where our lives are literally, well, maybe, may you know, maybe, um, maybe. Uh, I, I heard the... Um, the, uh, the Archbishop, the Anglican Archbishop of London say that he wouldn't be surprised if his predecessor's predecessor died in prison for what he has preached. <laughs> if my predecessor's predecessor preached what I preach, I wouldn't be surprised if he died in prison. So, gee, <laughs> we better make sure that our confidence is up there, folks. And the more your confidence is up there, the greater the, op the, option, the opportunities will be for you to speak, to step out, and to uh, to carry the the, um, the kingdom of God forward, but it doesn't go forward on the shoulders of cowards. It doesn't go forward on on the shoulders of people pleasers. It doesn't go forward on the shoulders of people who wilt uh, under the pressure of I don't know what's right and wrong in this situation. How do I explain you know our position on gay marriage? How do I explain our position, you know, on homosexuality? How do I explain our, our position on gender plurality and all these things uh, that are, you know, really, really complex issues? And, 
and, and have to be you know, handled with, with, with grace and with truth. But, but they've got to be handled with truth as well as grace. We need grace, but we need truth. We need truth and we need grace. And we need God's courage to, to figure that out. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up, eh? And so, Father, I pray, Lord, tonight that we would not throw off that confidence that's ours, but that, Lord, that rich reward that you promised us would become ours because the confidence that we were able to move forward in and with uh, in Jesus' name. We're just going to quietly sing this song. And if you are suffering a crisis of confidence, I'm just going to ask you to come out here to the front. We're going to take a long time. We're going to pray with you. We believe that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and boldness. See, what one thing we read in the book of Acts is when they received the Holy Spirit, they also received a boldness. And we're going to pray for that for you tonight. If you've got that, then that just needs to be released. You don't need more confidence. You just need the confidence that the Holy Ghost is, is within you. You just need that release. So if you want to come for tonight for prayer, then please just come as uh, Mel leads us. Thanks.